Hey friends, what's up? Welcome back to Babylon Tamil. Today we're studying Daf Chafdalid, Daf 24 of Masech the Sukkah. So yeah, so we kind of stopped like at the top of Chav Gimel Beis yesterday just because like there wasn't really a better place to stop really, but Chav Gimel Beis is pretty small. And interestingly, it's actually a Gemara we've seen like a whole bunch of times already. I think it's probably at least our third time seeing it. Uh, it's like that Brera Sugya, but we're not really getting into Brera so much. Um, today's daf, the first part of the daf, discusses, continues on the Machlokas, right? We had yesterday at the end of the day, Machlokas between Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda about can you use an animal for the wall of the Sukkah? There was Machlokas between um, so Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda, and then Machlokas between Abai and Reb Zeir about how to understand Reb Meir's opinion. So we're going to explore that further. Um, and then, ah, right. And then we are going to see a machlokas between Rabbi Yosef and the Chachamim about can you write in a get, like a divorce document, on an animal. And then we get to a new Mishnah about making a, you know, using trees for walls of a sukkah. So that's what we have in stock for today. Um, so let's start on Dav Chavkim Ahmed Bey is all the way at the top. Umi Amr Abaye, Rabbi Meir Chayish Lemiso. Mm-hmm. You got the kasha? So, yesterday we had a machlokas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. Can you use an animal for the wall of a sukkah? Rabbi Meir says no. Rabbi Yehuda says yes. How come Rabbi Meir says no? So there's machlokas between Abaye and Rabbi Zera. Abaye says, Rabbi Meir says you may not use the an animal as the wall of a sukkah. Because what if the animal dies? Reb Zerah says that according to a mayor, you cannot use an animal for the wall of a sukkah because it might run away. Fine. So we see that according to Reb Zerah, no, according to Abaye, um, Reb Meir is concerned that the animal might drop dead. Now, Frek the Gemara, Umi Amr Abaye, Reb Meir Chayesh, Lemisa, Reb Is this true? That according to Abaye, Reb Meir's opinion generally is that we are concerned about death and Reb Yudah is arguing and saying, no, we're not. But vehatanat, but we learn in a Mishnah. If you have a, uh, a, a woman who is a Basisrael, right? Her father is not a Kohen or Levi, a Basisrael. Shenises Lekoin, who gets married to a Kohen. So now, as long as she's married to a Kohen, so she's allowed to eat truma. And her husband goes on a trip somewhere. She can continue to eat truma. Right? She's married to a Kohen. She can eat truma. Her husband goes on a trip somewhere. She can assume he's alive. And as long as he's alive, they're married. She can eat truma even when he's on his trip. If you have the same case, but her husband says to her, "Here is um, a divorce document, and it becomes and and we are divorced one hour before I die. So Kilu, in the event that I die." One hour prior, we are already divorced. In that way, you know, she doesn't have to deal with chalitza and all that kind of stuff. If they, you know, if they don't have any children, whatever. 
So an hour before I die, we were already retroactively from that point divorced. Asur miyad, she's already not no longer allowed to eat truma. Because maybe right now is the hour before he's going to die. You're never going to know when the last hour before his death is. So therefore she can never eat truma because we're concerned that, well, what if he's going to die, you know, in an hour from now, then Mimele, right now, you're already divorced and you're not allowed to eat truma. So we see that on the one hand, we seem to be saying that if the husband goes on a business trip or goes on some trip, she's allowed to continue to eat Truma, you know, based on the assumption that her husband is alive. Yet we have this other brisa which says that here's your divorce document under the condition, you know, and it becomes your divorce document an hour before I die. Now she's no longer allowed to eat Truma because maybe this is the hour before he's going to die, meaning that we have to be concerned that he is going to die. So in the first case, we're not concerned that the husband's going to die. In the second case, we are concerned that the husband's going to die. From Rabaye Lokasha. And Abaye says, don't worry about it. The first b'risa, where it says that she's allowed to eat truma under the assumption that the husband is alive. So that's Reb Meir, who's not concerned that he's going to drop dead. The second b'risa, where we say that she's not allowed to eat truma because maybe this is an hour before he's going to die, that is Reb Meir, that, that, that is Reb Yehuda, who is concerned about the husband dropping dead. So, on the one hand, Abaye was explaining the machlokas between Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda regarding using an animal for the wall of a sukkah that Reb Meir holds that you cannot use the animal for the wall of the sukkah because it might drop dead. And Reb Yehuda says, you can use an animal for the wall of a sukkah because we're not concerned that it's going to drop dead. And yet, the same Abaye is explaining that when it comes to uh, a, a Basisral who's married to a Kohen eating truma, Reb Meir is saying we're not concerned that he's going to drop dead, and Reb Yudah is saying that we are concerned that he's going to drop dead. So how come Abaye in one place is explaining Reb Meir being concerned with death, and Reb Yudah not being concerned with death, and yet in the other case, Abaye is explaining that Reb Meir um, is not concerned about death, and Rebuta is concerned about that. Okay, uh, I, I hope I got those right. But um, either way, in one case, Abai is explaining Rebmeir is being concerned about that. In the other case, not, and Rebuta also vice versa. Fine. And now, interestingly, okay, so now the the the, the proofs that are coming up get like a little bit funny. But anyways. We're going to bring a proof now for Reb Meir to say that we are not concerned about death. And it's going to come from the, was it a Mishnah? That we always bring up in the, or is it a Brisa, a Tosefta? That we um, often, uh, we've seen already a few times in the context of Brera. Here we go. The Tanya, as we learn in a Brisa, that a fellow who purchases wine from the Kusim, Omer that you know, so he buys this wine and he's gonna have to separate trumas, maestris. So he says, Look, I can't, I just bought this wine right now, I can't separate it right now, but when I get home, I'll separate it. But I also want to drink the wine right now. So he says, Look, that when I get home, I'm gonna separate trumas and maestris. So 
In the future, when I'm going to separate two logs, assuming that there were 100 logs in total in the wine, so the two logs that in the future I'm going to separate, Hare and Truma, they, they are Truma. Asar my Sarishon, the 10 logs that I'm going to separate later, those are my Sarishon. Tisha my Sersheni. And the nine that I'm going to separate should be my Sersheni. Umeichov v'shosum yad. And then he, whatever takes the my Sersheni, he uh, is mechalalit onto, right, onto what's it called, uh, money. And then he could, and then he could, because the money he could already do now, and then that, that'll be for my Sersheni that he brings to Jerusalem. V'shosum yad, and he could drink immediately did Reb Meir, that's Reb Meir's opinion. So we see that Reb Meir seems to be saying that you can, um, you know, you have all this wine, you want to drink it now? Okay, so Beseder, so you can just say, look, in the future I'm going to separate the Trumas, the Mises, and, and, and then you can drink now, and then Mimele later on when you set it, set aside the Trumas and the Mises and stuff, we say that at the time that you drank it, it was already considered separate, fine. Reb Yudah, Reb Yosef, Reb Shimon, Osun, whereas Reb Yudah, Reb Yosef, and Reb Shimon say it's Osir. That you're not allowed to do this. So, what do we see? So, what's the proof here? The proof here is that Reb Meir seems to not be concerned that the um, wine skin is going to break and you're going to lose the wine. Where apparently Reb Yehuda and Reb Yossi and Reb Shimon are concerned that, well, what if the wine skin breaks and you'll lose the wine? So, we see that Reb Meir seems to not be concerned about these, you know, whether the wine skin dying or whether the wineskin breaking or whether an animal or a person dying, right? Ramirez doesn't seem to be concerned about that. Whereas Abuda, as well as Rabiosa and Rab Shimon, seem to be concerned, well, what if the wineskin breaks? So the same thing would apply to saying that he, sh- he would also be concerned, what if a person dies? Okay, fine. New. So what do we see? So the Kasha was that Abaye yesterday was explaining that according to Rabiosa, we are concerned about death. Whereas today, um, Abaye seems to be explaining that Abaye is, uh, Abaye seems to be saying, explaining that Rameir is not concerned about death, as we see from the fact, well, Abaye, Abaye is explaining that Rameir is not concerned about death, as we see from the wine of the Kutis that he's not concerned that the wineskin is going to break, and therefore that's why he's able to explain that Rameir says, that when it comes, that is why Abaye is able to explain that Remeir says that when it comes to the Basisrael, whose husband went on a trip, she's allowed to continue to eat Truma because Remeir holds that we are not concerned that he's going to die. However, the problem is that yesterday, Abaye explained to Remeir that we're concerned that the animal is going to die. So which is it? The one hand, he's concerned about death when it comes to the animal for sukkah. On the other hand, Abai is explaining to Remeir that he's not concerned about death when it comes to Abbas Yisrael being able to eat truma even when her husband's away. And he seems to be proving that from the brisa regarding drinking the wine of Kusim. Apoch. The Gemara says, okay, just switch it around. Reb Meir Chayish Lemisa, Reb Yehuda Lo Chayish Lemisa. So the Gemara says, no, switch it around. Meaning, when we have these um, contradictory prices, right? One of them saying that when Abbas Yisrael's husband, who's a Kohen, goes away on a trip, she's allowed to continue 
to eat um, truma. That's Rabbi Yehuda, who is not concerned about death. Whereas the Brises that says that when um, a husband gives, right, a Kohen gives his Bas Yisrael wife a get that's, and says, this is your get an hour before I die, she's no longer allowed to eat truma. That is Reb Meir who is concerned about death. Okay, so therefore, again, so says the Gemara that on today, today, what we learned today on Chavkim Amud Beis, that Abaye is answering up these two prices about the Bas Yisrael to the Kohen. So answered up by saying to be consistent with what we said yesterday, which is that according to Abaye, Reb Meir is concerned about death, just like by the wall of the sukkah animal. And Rebuta is not concerned about death. And I'll prove it to you from our, from the, our Brisa by Sukkah, the Tanya as we learn in the Brisa, I saw the Vemadof in the Sukkah, that if you use an animal as a wall for a Sukkah, Rebmeir posts with Machshir, that Rebmeir says that it's possible because we're concerned that the animal is going to die. And Rebuta says that it's kosher because we're not concerned that the animal is going to die. But, Kasha de Rebmeir ad Rebmeir. But we have a Kasha Rebmeir onto himself. Because on the one hand, when it comes to the using an animal for the wall of a sukkah, Reb Meir is concerned that the animal is going to die. On the other hand, when it came to the wine of the kuti, Reb Meir says, yeah, you could just separate the wine, the, the trumas and maestris, right? I Meaning just say that in the future, you're going to separate the trumas and maestris and, it, it'll, be, and, and, and it'll just memele, using brera, be um, considered separated already now. And he's not concerned that, well, what if the wineskin breaks? So on, the, so on the one end, he's concerned about the animal dying, but on the other end, he's not concerned about the, you know, what if the wineskin breaks? So I'm looking at Meir, Misa Shricha, because I know Lo Shricha. So Meir says, look, death is common, whereas a wineskin breaking is not common. Efshir the Masole, the Shomer, you can always just give it to somebody to guard to make sure that it is not going to break. Okay, so therefore it's not necessarily a problem for a mayor to say when it comes to the animal, we have to be concerned that it's going to die. And when it comes to the wineskin, we're not going to be concerned that it's going to break. But don't necessarily draw the conclusion from there that, well, if we're not concerned that the wineskin is going to break, well, then maybe we shouldn't be concerned that the animal is going to die. No, animal dying is more common than a wineskin breaking. Okay, fine. Kasha so then the Gemara says, wait, but what about the fact that Rabbi Yehuda seems to be contradictory, right? On the one hand, he's saying in the Brisa, when it comes to that using an animal for the wall of a sukkah, that you are allowed to use the, an animal for the wall of a sukkah. So he's not concerned about death. And yet he seems to be concerned about the wineskin breaking. So time of node. So the Gemara says, no, Rabbi Yehuda, when he says that you're not allowed to drink the wine of the kusim, you know, based on the fact that in the future you're going to separate Shumas and Maestris, that has nothing to do, to do with the fact that he's scared that the wineskin might break and then you won't end up separating the Shumas and Maestris. No, that's not the reason. Elam Shum delays lay Breira. No, it's just because he doesn't hold a Breira. Right? I mean, this has nothing to do with the wineskin breaking. It has to do with the Sugya Breira that we've learned a few times, which is, can we retro, you know, can we go in the future and change state retroactively? Right? Meaning when we later on, separate the trumas and maestris from this wine, can we say, okay, so now that we're separating it later, so Mimele at the time that you drank the wine earlier, 
the parts that you ended up separating later were already the parts that were really separated earlier, right? It's the whole Photoshop thing, right? The, 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 the fact that you later on separate Trumas and Meisters, can we go back and Photoshop the reality earlier when you drank the wine that the, you know, wine that you drank at the time was Chulin because the parts of wine that you separated later were the, the parts that you were kind of leaving there at the time and weren't drinking. So, one second. Is it really true that Rabbi Yehuda is not concerned about the wineskin breaking? But if we go weiter in that price uh, with the wine of the Kutis, they said to Rabbi Meir, that they say to Rabbi Meir, they say to Rabbi Meir, but Rabbi Meir, aren't you concerned? How can you say that you could drink the wine immediately? Aren't you concerned? That the wineskin might break, and if that happens, then you will never end up separating the trumasamisis, which means that well, if you never se- if if it's now eventually going to become impossible to separate trumasamisis if the wineskin breaks, then mimele what you were drinking was tevel. Rameir, aren't you concerned about that? So therefore, from the fact that Rebuta is asking Rameir that kasha, doesn't it seem that Rameir seems that 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 Rebuta is concerned about the wineskin breaking? And Reb Meir, of course, answers Reb Yudah, as we've seen a few times, and it's a Gavadaga answer. He says, I'll worry about it when it happens. Don't bother me now. Right now, nothing broke. Let's work with that. I'll worry about things breaking when things break. Let's not worry about that right now. In computer programming, we call that, um, what do we call that? Pre, pre, uh, uh, pre something optimization. What's that called? Pre, um, pre, uh, pre, uh, I don't know. Premature. Premature. Premature optimization. It's when you start worrying about, uh, situ- uh situations that are just theoretical at the moment. And the problem with premature optimization is that you, you, you can end up making things overly complex for, for no real reason and it's a thing, things become a mess. Um, so what do we see? So we see that Rebuta does seem to be concerned about things, you know, the, the wineskin breaking, which is why he's saying, Rebuta, aren't, aren't you concerned that the wineskin is going to break? And therefore, just like Rebuta is concerned about the wineskin breaking, shouldn't he be concerned that an animal might die? He's concerned about these, the, these kinds of unpredictable situations. So the more answer is also Rebuta with the commander of mayor. No, what Rebuta is saying to Rebuta is, look, Ledidi lazily Brera. Look, I don't hold a prayer. And therefore, the reason why you can't drink the wine from the Kutum right now is because you can't just later on go and Photoshop things and say that what you're drinking now was Memele Chulin. You can't do that. Nothing to do with wineskins. It has to do with Brera. I don't hold a Brera. That's why it's not allowed. However, but according to you, Reb Meir, the that you do hold a Brera, and therefore later on when you separate the true Mesemaisis, you can go, you could theoretically go back to Mimele and say that what you drank was Chulin. But aren't you concerned nonetheless that the wineskin might break? Um, so, Mary says, look, I'll worry about it when it happens. Okay, fine. One second, is it really true to say that Rebuta 
is not Choshesh Lemisa, right? The Meir is Choshesh Lemisa, and Rebuta is not Choshesh Lemisa. But we learn in the Mishnah, Rebuta, Omer, Af Isha Acheres Maskinin Lo Shem Etomus Ishto. Remember, this is the first Mishnah Masech Yoma. What does Rebuta say? Rebuta says that you have to set aside a separate wife for the Kayin Gadol just in case his wife dies, and then it won't be V'chipar Ba'adavad Beso. Right, it says, right, Beso Zo Ishto, that a coin Gadol has to have a wife. What if his wife dies? Then he won't be able to do the, have a proper kapara, and therefore you even have to have a backup wife for the coin Gadol. So we seem to be saying that Rebuta is saying they have to right, have even another wife for the coin Gadol just in case his wife dies. So we see that Rebuta seems to be Choshesh Lemisa. So my answer is, it was, it was, it was said about that. Am Ravuna Breda of Yeshua, Maila Asu Bichapar. That um, they made a spe- right when it comes to the kapar of Yom Kippur, we have you know sort of special treatment. And while in normal cases we wouldn't be concerned about misa, when it comes to kapar of Yom Kippur, we're particularly sensitive, and that and that is why Rabbi Yehuda uh, says we have to set aside a separate wife. But um, in general, Rabbi Yehuda would not be concerned the misa. Now the Gemara asks Akasha on both Abaye and Rebzera's explanation of Rebmeir's opinion. Right there, Rebmeir says that you're not allowed to use an, a live animal for the wall of a sukkah. That's what Rebmeir says. Abaye says it's because we're concerned that the animal might die. Rebzera says we're concerned that the animal might run away. In fact, the Gemara, the Gemara asks Spain, Lamandomer, Shematomus. Whether according to Abai's explanation of the animal might die, or whether according to Rebzera's explanation of maybe the animal will run away, it's a kosher mechitza, right? Meaning, what, what are Abai and Rebzera saying? We're saying, look, technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with using an animal as the wall of a sukkah. The problem is it might run away. The problem is it might die, right? We even said yesterday, if you take an elephant and you tie it up, then you can use it as the wall of a sukkah. It's not going anywhere. If it dies, it'll still be tentvachim. It's just the rabbis who said that you're not allowed to use it. Maybe it'll run away. Maybe it'll die. We said yesterday, that according to Reb Meir, you're not allowed, right, right, that um, if you use a live animal for like the lid of a coffin, it doesn't become, it doesn't have the din of a golel, of, of, a, of, a, of, of, the, of the lid of a coffin, i.e. it doesn't become tummy. So now the Gemara's kasha is, if, if Reb Zera and Abaye are correct, that really be the Orisa, you can use an animal as the wall of a sukkah. And be the Rabbanan, we're concerned that it might die or it might run away. So, Kilu, an animal, be the Orisa, is a good wall. Just be the Rabbanan, we say don't do it. Well, then, so, meaning, so in that case, we're being Mahmir, right? Me, the Orisa, an animal is a kosher wall. We're being more stringent and saying, but don't use an animal as a wall because maybe it'll run away, maybe it'll die. But this same stringency ends up becoming a leniency, which is, well, if you use an animal for the lid of a coffin, so then we're saying, well, it 
doesn't work as a lid and it doesn't become tummy. But if midoraisa, it, it, it is a good wall or it is a good lid, so then it should be tummy. How could we just be makil to say, no, it doesn't become tummy? So again, so kilu, it's a chumrah, sure, we're being stringent when it comes to the, the, using a live animal for the wall of a sukkah, we're saying, no, don't do it. But one of the things that we listed yesterday, and, and as we just quoted in Mishnah as well right now, is that Reb Meir says that an animal is not a proper, you can't use it as a lid of a coffin, which therefore the implication being that it doesn't become tame. So in this case, we're, it ends up becoming a leniency. So how can you say that because it might run away or it might die, we cannot do this leniency to say that that, that, right, that this golel is tahor? So Ella... <coughs> So rather says Ravachab Yaakov, no, the opinion of Rav Meir is the following, which is any thing that stands because of air is not considered a wall. Meaning, an animal, why is an animal standing? What, what, what makes it stand? The fact that it has right Nishmas Chaim inside of it. It has, uh, it has life. It has a spirit inside of it. But remove that spirit. The animal just kind of deflates and drops on the floor. Right? So anything, any wall that stands only because of wind, is not a real wall. And this animal is only standing because it has a, 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 a nefesh inside, a spirit. And therefore, that's not a real mechitza. And it's mamish, not a real mechitza. It's not a mechitza for a sukkah, and it's not a golo for a kever. It's not, it's just pasha, not a good mechitza. Yigadam, those who say, Amr Vachabar Yaakov, says, Vachabar Yaakov, Ksavar Emer, Komechitza Shen Asuyu Bidei Adam in a mechitza. That any wall that is not made by a, a human is not a proper wall, and this animal was not made by a human, therefore it's not a proper wall. My benayu, what's an afkamita between the two ways of understanding, uh, of explaining Ravacha by Yaakov? Either that it doesn't have a, uh, you know, anything that has like a um, air in it, so then it's not a good wall, versus um, anything that's not man-made is not a good wall. Well, the nafkamina the is, if you use a... Um, like a a, a, a a node, some kind of skin or something that is that 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 a person blows up, you know, blows air into, and that's what gives it its sort of size. So if you say, well, there's a problem with walls that are you know stood up by by like air or whatever and can be deflated, or you know if they lose their air or their spirit or their life, they just kind of collapse. Well, then, if you take, like, I don't know, a wine skin or something, you fill it up with air or something, you can't use that as a uh, wall because uh, it, it's, you know, inflated with air. The mandarme no asuyu bide adam, are asuyu bide adam. And according to the opinion that in order for it to be a wall, it has to be man made, well, this is man made. So that's enough, Kamina. So, Kilo, on the one end, it's man-made, but it's filled with air. So, if you say it's a problem for it to be filled with air, well, this is a problem. But if you say that it just has to be man-made, well, it's man-made, so it's okay. Um, okay, Seder, so, that, so that's how Rav Achabar Yaakov wants to explain Rav Meir, which is to say 
that it's not about something they're abundant. It's mamish not, it's mamish not an acceptable wall because, um, either because this animal has, uh, you know, life inside of it or because it's not man-made. Okay. Omar Ma'ar, we said earlier, So Yosia said earlier that you're not allowed to write a divorce document on a live animal. My time, my time of Yosia Glili, Glili says that the Tanya, as we learned in Abraham, says safer in the other safer. Okay? That, it, that, right, that, the, that the Pasuk says by a divorce document, that he writes for her a, uh, a book of, of, of separation. So all I know is a sefer, a document that's written on parchment. How do I know that you could write the um, divorce document on, on wood, on, on other things, on paper? Therefore it says, He writes for her. However he writes for her. You want to write it on wood? You want to write it on paper? Fine. Well, then what do we learn from safer, which implies that it would have to be cloth, parchment? Well, just like a book is something that's inanimate and it does not eat. Also, anything that um, is inanimate and does not eat. But an animal, says the Tanakhama, or I guess we're assuming it's a Biosaglili, that an animal um, has life in it and eats, and um, you cannot write a divorce document on an animal. The rabbis who argue and say that you can theoretically write a divorce document on an animal. If it said Basefer, so then I would. Um, say like you're saying that it would have to be um, an inanimate object. But now that it just says safer, not ba safer, so it's just it needs to be something that right that informs information. Just needs to you know tell us what's going on. And however you want to say it, say it. If you want to write it on an animal, write it on an animal. No problem. But according to the rabbis, what about the fact that it says v'chasavla, which means that a kid, uh, so what, I mean, so why do you need v'chasavla? Right, according to Rabbi Yosaglili, I need v'chasavla because I would have initially thought that it says safer, specifically parchment. So if I need v'chasavla to say that, um, you know, it's not just parchment, it could be anything. But according to the rabbis who say that, no, safer just means telling us stuff in general. Could be on anything. So what do I need v'chasavla? What do I learn now from v'chasavla? Which was we we were assuming earlier. To that's how we learn kind of that it could be more general and it can be written on anything. So So the Gemara answers according to the rabbis. What they do with v'chasavla is that davka the divorce happens through writing, not through money. Because sakadati chamina, I may have thought to say hov iska shetzia well, because it says, right, V'yotza mi beiso v'alcha v'aisa lish acher. Right, we compare V'yotza v'aisa. We compare leaving to coming. Ma'avoy b'kesef v'afitziya b'kesef. Just like when she gets married, it's with money, right? Arayat m'kudesh yasli b'tabazo. So also when she 
leaves when she gets divorced, I may have thought to say that you can get divorced with money as well. So Komash Milan, therefore, it says, Vichosavla, they say, no, you have to write it, you can't pay it. So how do we know, so how does Rabbi Yosei know that you're not allowed to get divorced with money? Well, the Pasuk says, Sefer Krisus. He has to write her a book of separation. Sefer Korsa, That you get um, uh, divorced with writing, with a book, you don't get divorced with anything else. And therefore, you don't get divorced with money. And what do the rabbis do with that Pasuk of Sefer Krisus? Ahu the rabbis say from Sefer Krisus, what we learn out is that it has to be something that is mamish, a separation. Kiddetanis, we learn in a price. This is your divorce document, but you're no longer ever allowed to drink wine. Or that you no longer go to your father's house. That is not a proper divorce document. She's not divorced because there's no real separation there because her entire life now she's still connected to him to the extent that she's never allowed to drink wine anymore because she's still connected to this um, um, sort of agreement or requirement of his. She can never, never go to her father's house anymore. Right? As long as these things are, 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 are applicable, so then she's still connected to him in some way and therefore that's not a proper divorce document. So he, so he cannot say to her, look, we're divorced now under the condition that forever you don't drink wine. Because now he's still sort of, you know, I don't know, ruling, over, like applying authority over her forever. That's not okay. That's not a proper separation. Um, but if he says, look, here's your divorce document, but you're not allowed to drink wine for 30 days. Well, in that case, it is a good divorce document because, you know, as long as she doesn't drink wine for 30 days, they're divorced. Mamish, completely divorced, and therefore that makes it okay. So... So, so what the rabbis learn out from Sefer Krisus is that it has to bamish be something that that um, is a real separation. There can't be any strings attached. Ve'idach mikaris Krisus nafka, whereas Rabbi Yosei says, "Oh, that that could be learned out from the fact that it could have said kares, um, but it says Krisus. So the so the fact that it says Krisus is to say that mamish has to be a complete separation. Ve'idach mikaris Krisus l'darshe, whereas the rabbis don't learn out this kares Krisus thing. Therefore, they have to learn it out from." Sefer Krisus. Okay, fine. Very good. So what do we see? So we see that initially, the point being that according to Biosi Aglili, um, you are not allowed to write a divorce document on an animal. According to the rabbis, you are allowed to write a divorce document on an animal. Says the Mishnah, If a fellow makes a sukkah among trees, and the trees are the walls of the sukkah, kshera, it's a kosher sukkah, Says the Gemara, Amr of Achabar Yaakov, says of Achabar Yaakov, Komachitza she'en yichol alamod brach mitzuya en machitza. That any wall that is unable to stand up to a, just a regular kind of wind, an ordinary wind, if it can't stand to an ordinary wind, it's not a proper wall. Tanan, we learn in the Mishnah. Hosesukaso beno ilanos, veilanos defanosla. If a fellow makes a sukkah among the trees, and the trees are the walls of the sukkah, ksheira, it's a kosher sukkah. But one second. But aren't the trees going to be moving around and not standing firm in a regular wind? We're talking about strong, sturdy trees. What about the fact that there's the branches of the tree 
that may sway in the wind and uh, maybe the branches are part of the walls of the sukkah. He kind of makes it sturdy with, I don't know, different uh, palm branches and stuff. He makes it sturdy. Well, then what's the chiddush? Well, I may have to say, well, uh, if you use the walls of, uh, 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 if you use trees as the walls of the sukkah, you might end up using the tree, which is a problem. No, it's okay. When it comes to Pase Beiros, those Diomdin, the L-shaped things, walls, in the corners, by the uh, water pit, for the Oli Regalim, Om Chitzas Akonim, right? So if there was a, 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 um, tree there, Ogader, or a fence, Om Chitzas Akonim, or like a, a wall of reeds, Nidom Shum Diomid, you can use it for a Diomid. So what do we see? So we see that you can use a tree as Diomdin. But isn't it gonna sway in the wind? Hasam Nami, Mishum De Ovid Lei, Vidafna, there also you kind of made it sturdy with like, um, um, I don't know, palm branches and things. Okay, if you have a tree that is like, uh, you know, uh, um, its branches and stuff extend over the ground, okay. So we say, so if you have sort of the um, branches and stuff of the tree and they're like extending over the ground, if the branches go down to the ground and they're within three tfachim of the ground, so then we can treat it as if mamish, the branches are like walls surrounding the tree and you can carry under this tree. It's like we saw in Erevin. Amai, how come? How cause of But the tree, the branches are going to be like moving in the wind and stuff. How could those be considered a proper wall to be, you know, making like a Rosh in there? So also Nami, they're also the Ovid Lebuts of Adafna. You're like making the, the branches stronger with like, uh, I don't know, palm branches and stuff. Yachi, if that's the case, Nitalta Bukhule, so then you should be able to carry under this tree at any size. Alama Amr, Rufuni Breda Vishua, Mitatlubo Ella, Base Sasai. How come Rufuni Breda of Yeshua says you can only carry under this tree up to a base Sasai? Right? That if it's larger than a base Sasai, it'll be considered like a karmelist and you won't be able to carry there. But if it's just Rosh Hashayach, what's the problem? So Mishum David Dir Shetashmisha Lo'avir V'Chodir Shetashmisha Lo'avir Emitatlan Bo Elas Sasoy. Okay, because it's a Dir Shetashmisha Lo'avir. It's it's a it's a a construct that is really only for the area outside of it. Meaning you're making this area just so that you have a place for the people to guard the fields to guard the fields. Meaning really it's the fields that are outside that need to get guarded, and you're only creating this space so that the people who are guarding the outside fields have a place to go from, like the Sun and stuff, but really the main thing being the fields. So it's it's a it's a domain that's really made for the outside area, and a domain that's made for the outside area, um, you you can only carry in it up until a um, base asayim. After that, it would be um, yeah. Actually, I guess wait, would that make it a karpaf? Well, no, a karpaf you can only carry in up to a base asayim. Yeah, I guess it would make it a karpaf. Yeah, as opposed to a shusayachid. Okay. Um, I guess I was a little more involved than I anticipated. But then again, we also did kind of like a daf and a half because we literally did the entire Chavkin moment base. Anyways, what do we talk about? So the first part of the daf continues on the machlokas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda regarding using an animal as the wall of a sukkah. Rabbi Meir says you're not allowed to use an animal as the wall of a sukkah. Rabbi Yehuda says that you are allowed to use an animal as the wall of a sukkah. Now, 
Abaye had explained yesterday that the reason for a mayor saying no is because we're concerned that the animal might die. We then um, asked Kasha as well, what do you mean? We seem to be seeing that by Gittin, um, Rab Mayor is not concerned that the husband will die. And then we say, flip it around and say that actually the aunt, that, that, that Rab Mayor is concerned that the husband will um, die. Okay, fine, very good. Now, ultimately we asked Akasha on both Abai and Ribzera, right, that they, Abai says that, Ribmeir says that you cannot use an animal as the law of a sukkah because the animal might die. Ribzera says, right, so Abai explains, right, exactly, Abai explains Ribmeir that way, Ribzera explains Ribmeir that the animal might run away. The, the thing is that both according to Abai and according to Ribzera, Ribmeir is saying that Mida Oraisa, it's a good wall. We're just concerned that the animal might run away or, or die, so if we're not allowed to use it. But that doesn't explain the fact that we also say that you're not allowed to use, right, that if you use an animal as the lid of a, of a coffin, so then it doesn't become tummy. Why not? Midoraisa, we're saying it's a proper wall, it should be a proper lid. Shouldn't it become tummy? So therefore, Rachel Yaakov gives two possible answers, which is one is that any wall that stands by like, whether it's uh, life, right, like a nefesh, or whether it's because you pumped it up with air or something, it's not a proper wall. The other way to understand, uh, to explain to Rav Yaakov is that a, um, a wall needs to be man-made. If you use an animal, it's not man-made. Okay, those are, so those are the two ways that we, uh, Rav Yaakov, that we offer for Rav Yaakov to explain um, Rav Meir's opinion regarding the, using an animal as the wall for a sukkah. We then had a look at what Rav Yosef had said yesterday, which is that you are not allowed to write a divorce document on an animal. How come? We saw the machlokas between Rabbi Yosef Aglili and the Chachamim, that the Chachamim said that you are allowed to write a divorce document on an animal. Rabbi Yosef Aglili says you're not, and they learn it out based on Sukkim. We then got to a new Mishnah where we say that you are allowed to use trees as the walls of a Sukkah as long as they are sturdy. And then we had a few questions based on that, but that was kind of the main Proposition there. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great day. Cheers.